morning, Chapel family. If you've not met me and you're new here this morning, my name is Ed Barnard. I'm a, one of the chapel elders, and it's my privilege to share with you this morning some comments as we prepare for the Lord's Supper a little bit later. So let's just turn our hearts once again to prayer briefly. Thank you. Father, we come this morning with open hearts. And I pray, Father, now that you would just hide your servant, that you would be glorified by the things that you have placed upon my heart to speak this morning. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you're a Christian or if you've been in Christian fellowship or you've been involved in church for very long, you obviously have come across things we call Bible studies. I mean, sometimes those things have uh, morphed or have uh, detailed into things called word studies. Uh, word studies are not my thing, but this morning I'm going to stagger with sort of an attempt at what might be called a word study. <clears throat> so, um, when you think of word studies, I guess there's just a gazillion different words that one could focus on from Scripture to study in detail. You can pick one. Word holy, angels, obedience, judgment, sin, glory. Any number of words could be picked. This morning, as we focus upon and participate in a bit in the, the communion, the Lord's Supper, there's one word that I want to focus upon and think about, perhaps the one word that we hear most often when we come to celebrate this important ordinance of the church. It's a word that occurs on communion tables in churches all across the country and perhaps the world. Remembrance, a word that means a a memory or a recollection, a recalling or bringing to mind or to an awareness of something seen, known, or experienced in the past. This word, remembrance or remember, or related terms, or exhortations, or even corollaries such as do not forget, occur throughout the scriptures. In fact, the word remember itself occurs about 130 times in the Old Testament and 30 times in the New Testament. Depending on particular contexts, situations, the word remember carries different nuances and applications. Who was to remember what, for example, please to God to remember his promises, or don't you remember what I said, etc., etc. This morning, I want to focus where God's people, the Israelites in particular, Christians, or the church as a whole, are instructed or commanded to remember, typically to remember something specific. For example, explaining the Passover to Moses in Exodus 12, God said, this day will be a memorial, a reminder to remember, if you will, to you and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. 
referring later to the Passover again and God's rescuing Israel from bondage in Egypt. In Exodus chapter 13, Moses commanded the Israelites, remember this day in which you went out from Egypt from the house of slavery. For by a powerful hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. Later, after the wandering Israelites in the desert had defeated the Amalekites in battle at Rephidim, in Exodus chapter 17, the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. In the fourth of the, tenth command, the Ten Commandments that are familiar to most of us, Exodus 20 begins with the word, remember the Sabbath day. The Israelites were told in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Again, in Deuteronomy, we read both of these, remember the Lord your God. And regarding the Passover again, so that all the days of your life you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt. In celebrating the return of the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, King David proclaimed in 1 Chronicles 16, Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he has pronounced. Isaiah 46, verses 8 and 9, remember this, fix it in mind, take it to heart. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. And the Apostle Paul told Timothy, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And then a few corollaries. Twice in the book of Deuteronomy, we're warned, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. David writes in Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Peter, in his second letter, chapter 1, verses 12 to 15, and I'm going to read those from the NIV, tells us this. <clears throat> so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth. You now have. I think it right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this text or in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon be put aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always remember these things. <clears throat> Are we getting a picture? Remembering is important. This is why, in part, we read the scriptures. In part, it's why we listen to preaching. In part, it's why we sing hymns and spiritual songs. In part, it's why we gather here on the Lord's Day. This is in part why we worship to remember. 
Now, in a few moments, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. The elements are on the table in front of us. And I suspect if we had a, quote, real communion table, which we don't have yet, but that may be coming, but if we had a real communion table, the furniture that's in many churches, you would see, very likely, Jesus' words in remembrance of me. They'd be carved prominently into the wood or whatever the substance of that table would be. The very words with which Jesus exhorted his disciples at his last meal. People are going to the cross. Today, what do we remember about Jesus? Let's take a moment to reflect on some things that I think are very important and meaningful, at least to me. You think about the things that he did. He walked on water. He changed water to wine, gave sight to the blind, enabled crippled people to walk, healed the sick, cast out demons, he calmed the sea simply by saying, hush, be still. <clears throat> then there are the things that he said. <clears throat> he taught great truths, this is obvious. Many of these truths are recognized and appreciated by unbelievers, skeptics and atheists. But more importantly, at least for this morning's message, Jesus said, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am from above. I am sent by God. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he said in John 8, 58, before Abraham was born, I am. Appropriating for himself the, na the very name by which God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush at Mount Horeb. He also said, the scriptures testify of me, my kingdom, it's not of this world. And he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. And he said this too. You will be hated because of my name. And he repeatedly predicted his death, his resurrection, and his returning in glory. Who says this? Who does these things? Not the man on the street, not just anybody, but Jesus said this and does this. He did these things, said these things, because of who he is. He is the creator, the sustainer, the Lamb of God, 
He's our Redeemer, our Savior. He's the King of kings, the only begotten Son of God, Almighty God incarnate in human flesh. Think about these things. These are things to remember. And as we go to communion this morning, we're going to remember Jesus. I want to close by reading something that <clears throat> has been for me very meaningful. <clears throat> I came across this probably in my college days. I don't hear it very often, but I love it. And it's a, <clears throat> a poem of sorts, although it doesn't rhyme. Uh, not that all poems have to, but it's entitled One Solitary Life. <laughs> Sorry for the emotion. But it reads like this. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. He never wrote a book, never held an office. He never went to college, he never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of these things, usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. <clears throat> when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. <clears throat> Nineteen centuries, now could be twenty, have come and gone, and today Jesus is the central figure of the human race. He's the leader of mankind's progress, all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth. <clears throat> as powerfully as that one, solitary life. This 
is the Jesus we're here to remember. This is why we share communion. This Jesus is the one who gave his life that you and I can live eternally. Let us worship him as we share communion together.